man, I'll tell you one thing. When a beer hits the lips and it hits the lips, when it hits the lips oh, and no. then it hits the no. lips. I don't know. Yeah, I think he's broken. Yeah. Did, no. Wait. Absolutely not. Have we started recording? Is that a solo? No. <laughs> not a... It's just one of those songs you make up while you're cooking no, or something. No, I was thinking of Lips Incorporated, Funky Town. <laughs> Won't you take me to Funky Town? I have never heard the name Lips Incorporated. Is that who sings Funky Town? I believe so. Let me check um, that out. Funky so, Town. I forgot to mention this on, on the regular episode this week, but... Um, um, it sure is. <laughs> you, lear- you learn something every day, I will right? forget that before we're done recording. And I don't know. Ask me why I know this. Right? Don't know. Why don't do I know. still know all the words to the bad touch? For what? Well, For what? Yeah. The bad touch. That does, that doesn't might, sound right. Like, yeah. please clear my head out of... Uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle, Uncle, Uncle Bob won't let me... Re- Forget the lyrics to the bad touch. No. <laughs> yeah, that's where my head went, went to immediately. <laughs> oh immediately, God. I was like, nope, nope. Yeah. Um, I forgot to mention this on the regular episode, so I'm going to sneak it in here. Um, <laughs> I pulled a black card. Like, I pulled a black person's black card uh, last week. I don't think that's... Th- this week. I'm telling you why, and the reason why it came up, Daniel reminded me of this. Um so ice ice baby came on on our, our office radio and you have an office radio <laughs> yeah we play music through the speakers the whole day is it in the I is it in the bathroom because that's where the only place i want music no, no it's where we work it's literally oh. just playing the absolutely time. the fuck not no yeah, that, we that each stinks. like we we take turns picking like playlists that so you oh know, well i mean that's better right yeah, but then when it, like com- when it station. comes up to like, you know, uh, I was going to say, I don't really have a lot of like work friendly radio stations that I would. It's when it comes up out, to Denise's it's out, like, so like ABBA, like all day ABBA, <laughs> it's like, dude, get <laughs> fucked. I'm sorry, Denise. But your Spotify account, we have explicit turned off. So obviously anything that yeah. is, has, is labeled explicit, some things slip by, but like the majority don't. So yeah. We take turns, whatever, whoever's in the mood. We generally are like, hey, who's in the mood? What do you guys want to listen to today? And then, you know, we give our opinions and whatever. Anyway, um, so one of my coworkers, uh, I don't know who picked the station. But anyway, Ice Ice Baby came on and he was like, yeah, Marky Mark's the shit, man. Oh, man, I miss no. old Marky Mark. What? <laughs> what? And I was like, excuse me, what? He's like, yeah, Marky Munch, Marky Mark and the fucking whatever the funky boys. Bunch, the man. funky bunch, man. Yeah. yeah. And, and I was like, are you talking about this song? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, who do you think sings this song? And he's like, Marky Mark, right? And I'm like, black card now. Like, <laughs> it's a black guy, right? Yeah. I'm like, this is Vanilla Ice, dude. And you know- that is the only reason why I'm pulling that card because why the fuck? Vanilla Ice and Mark Wahlberg are both white. I know this. I know this. But he thought he. It, never mind. <laughs> it was. It was. It was a discussion. It was a discussion about hip hop. It. It was a situation like we were talking. Oh, about okay. 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 Yeah. So I think we backed into this hip-hop. conversation. <laughs> yeah. And and honestly, hip hip hop just 
turned over. Not that it's dead, but hip hop turned over in its grave because you referred to Vanilla Ice or Marky Mark and the Funky. Bunch That's why I'm laughing hip-hop. about hip hop. Yeah, but it's okay. It's okay. No, like honestly, all good. All good. Man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so like I said, right, we're, enough we're, laughing. We're, we're, yeah, we're we're gonna bring lemon oh, to this let's bad get boy. Sad, so, uh, so this week we are doing, and by we, I'm sorry, Allie. You guys is are doing, here. I know we're we're here. We're here to opine, not opine, but yeah. just like Chime commentate. In. Yeah, yeah. Commentate, comment, mm-hmm. commentate. A little oh. different than comment, is it? Yeah. Okay. Um, but yes, we're we're here to commentate on uh, one episode one hundred of Untethered Part Three of the West Memphis Three uh, Tether Radio mm-hmm. podcast uh, coverage of it. So yeah, yeah. Um, and so you, you know, we we made such a huge deal about episode one hundred that we're stretching it out. As oh, we're as making one hundred be at <laughs> least five episodes and possibly yeah. six. I, I mean. If you Every guys week get I sick, try to to squish it down and yeah. there's so it can't it can't be squished. Dude, it's like a rubber band, <laughs> you know? Or just like a rubber, I don't know, butt plug. Uh, you oh, tell no. me. <laughs> I honestly, have you guys ever used a rubber plug? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. So with without further ado, uh, we're just gonna <laughs> toss it over to Allie because honestly, I don't want to derail us any more right, than I already right, am. Right. So. Right. Um, so I've done two parts of this already. I frankly can't summarize those. Uh, if you're starting on part three, I don't know what you're doing here, but please go back and listen to one and two. Yes, please. And I would honestly, love for you to keep listening, but just don't start at part three. It's it, it, She has done a phenomenal job. Thanks, man. <laughs> Excuse me. Jesus. It's um, the book. I, I very much credit the book. I am all but just rewording it. I mean, she does such good coverage. There's a difference between reading the book out loud sure, and sure. actually summarizing a book. And I'm terrible at summarizing books. <laughs> so uh, I get that from my mother. So anyway. And I, I try my best not to plagiarize anything, but God, I'm so very closely following the book, uh, which is Devil's Knot by Mara Levitt. Mara Leverett? Leverett. Um, which Wes just looked up what devil's knot means because we were kind of texting about it. Mm -hmm. And he said he thinks it means this definition that he found about it, uh, which is a small, tightly packed group of people, uh, like a little knot of people clustered around a doorway, something like that. He was just kind of Googling like knot descriptions and stuff. Yeah. Um, Because there wasn't a devil's knot as a type of knot used in... Because I get into the knots in this episode. Yeah, okay, got you, got you, yeah. <laughs> All right, so. I love etymology, so. <sighs> I do too. Heck yeah. Uh, so we're at the end of November of 1993, and remember the uh, the murders were on May 5th of that same year. So we're about six months later. Um, the defense starts getting all these files through the discovery process. So fucking prosecutor Fogelman told the judge a bunch of times, I'll get all the file over to the defense by the end of August. Here we are the end of November and we're still just getting stuff trickled in. Jeez, dude. And, uh, he, uh, he lacks the, the PI, the private investigator dude. Yeah. He basically goes through all this discovery stuff and like summarizes it for the defense lawyers. Like I, this guy seemed so crucial to this fucking case. Sure. Um, but they found something here at the end of November that they just now discovered that John Mark Byers, Christopher Byers' stepfather, mm-hmm. 
his interview transcript from when he was interviewed with Ridge and Sudbury on May 19th. Mm-hmm. So fucking six months ago, but two weeks after the murders, the defense didn't even know this happened until now. How does this like fall through the cracks? Like, did it? Well, Daniel, the well, yeah, well, like, like, yeah, well, exactly, the, like, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, it's like when when you say how does how does this fall through the cracks? It's like okay, let me list the ways. What was, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so my my yeah. my whole thinking behind it is really no over like no slip up surprises me at this point because no. just from the very beginning there was a guy with a fucking grudge for no goddamn reason whatsoever. Yep, like it, it, it just. So many things were done wrong. It's like, oh yeah, that makes sense for this. And it's yeah, well, sad. Well, buckle up. There's way. more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just keeps Jeez. adding up. And I. Ugh. So, because they got this file so much later than the other statements, especially of Byers's wife and his older son Ryan, mm. the defense didn't even realize that Byers' story differed from theirs pretty significantly. So, like, Byers told this weird story about how. Uh, he went in the woods looking, but it was dark and he couldn't see anything. So then he went home to get a flashlight and then him and Ryan came back to the woods at like midnight and they kept looking. But Ryan told the cops that he went to bed by like midnight, like that they were in for the night. Hmm. Those are significantly, hugely different stories. (laughs) So, but the defense team didn't know, didn't realize, Hey, look how different these are. And they didn't even like, they knew he looked sketchy, but they didn't know he'd ever been a suspect. Yeah. So Byers told Ridge in his statement that Fogelman promised him and the other fathers that he would seek the death penalty for those responsible, regardless of their age. This is two weeks before Jesse confesses. Mm. Mm. And Lax is like asking the defense lawyers. He's like, why would Fogelman refer to the age of the murderers this early in the investigation? Because yeah. you've already picked yeah. out who you think did it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Damien... Lax was just feeling like Lax is this prepared ass guy. Okay. And he's going into these trial dates being like, I am so unprepared. And it's, it's not his fault. It's that the, that the prosecution keeps giving them stuff so late. Yeah. Um, he and his assistant shuttles were concerned for Damien's mental state. Damien's like barely sleeping. He's having like a mental breakdown. Mm -hmm. Uh, Domini had given birth to their son in September and she brought him to the jail, but Damien wasn't allowed to touch him. And, like, Damien was so excited about, like, his kid. Like, yeah. He was trying to, like... Is that a weird... I feel like that's a weird... I would uh, think so. Right? Right. I mean, for, like, visitation or something. Yeah. But it's like, it's a baby. Like, you can't... It's my baby, and well, I can't touch it? Well, like, well, I can't yeah, even I mean, hold my... But my... Yeah, my point is, is that it's like, I, you know, I mean... Well, yeah. I don't know. Can you touch uh, visitors? I don't know how that works. I don't know. I don't know how strict it is. Like as far as like if it's, if it's, well, yeah, you can, you can hug and stuff, but just like no, like long embraces. Yeah. I think it depends on the individual situation. Probably. And I'm sure they were being fucking over the top. Oh, I'm sure. Obviously. So, so Lax just straight up asked Damien, did you ever tell anybody that you committed these murders? Cause shuttles had asked this before. And Damien was always like, Oh, well, I never said anything like serious. Like, I mean, I, you know, joked, but I never, and Lax is like, be fucking for real. Yeah. Did you tell anyone that you did this? And Damien just doesn't answer. He just like sits and stares. So I don't think he's helping his own case, but I I think he's also just so mentally fucked at this point. Like he's just exhausted by it all. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I hate to like, 
and I, I'm I'm gonna say this, and I, I will most likely regret it. But like, <laughs> God, dude, oh hell. Well, no, it's it's just like one of these things. I can't imagine being. You just want to go back and shake him. Yeah, and yeah. just be like, dude, just tell him, just yeah. tell him the fucking truth. Stop being a fucking edge lord. Yeah, and like fucking do it. Like I just think, fucking tell him. I don't even think he was being edgy at that point yeah. right there. I think he was just, just so exalted, mentally checked out, exhausted, exhausted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in late December, the defense gets this transcript of an interview that Detective Bill Durham. Every time I type that, I had to make sure I didn't type Bull Durham yeah. every time. <laughs> So Bill Durham had with Jerry fucking driver earlier in the month of December. So driver said that a year before the murders, he had been closely watching seven kids who had all the earmarks of satanic involvement. And they were like, they asked him specifically what? And he was like, well, the tattoos and devil rings and this and that and the other. Yes. Thank you so much. This is very Great oh God! Good. How many how many kids do we go to high school? Allie, maybe you even had some like of this stuff, but it, it was like literally like rings that it was like yeah, you, you know, it's like fucking like spins- just goth kids, goth kids, just goth literally kids. goth kids. I mean, I had know? kids in middle school. There was a yes. kid in middle school that wore a Marilyn Manson shirt like half of the time. Yeah, you know, like. <laughs> So, and then, of course, there was Jesse's spiked hair and stuff. Oh, God. Jesse, Miss Kelly, who is five foot one and not a hundred pounds. Watch out for this guy. (laughs) So, Lax goes and talks to Marty King, the manager of the Bojangles. Do you remember Mr. Bojangles now that I say it? Oh, my God. So... Marty King said that the day after the bodies were found, an off-duty West Memphis police officer came to the restaurant to eat, and King told him, hey, there was this bloody man that came in here the night before. I haven't mentioned Mr. Bojangles yet, but um, here we go. So, (laughs) while the other officers were talking to the parents the night that the boys were reported missing, the officer who talked to the buyers was dispatched to another call right after talking to them at a Bojangles restaurant about a mile away. Mm. The manager told her there was a black man that had entered the restaurant about 8 p.m. bleeding, and he had gone in the women's restroom. And the manager said that the man seemed mentally disoriented and that the man had wandered away just a few minutes before the officer got there. Um, employees had found blood smeared on the walls in the restroom after he left. The officer took the report, but didn't investigate further. She did the whole interview at the drive through window. She never even went in the Bojangles. (laughs) You just left talking to uh, the, uh, the drive through like, but you're in a small town and you've got young boys missing. (sighs) And now this random guy is acting weird and you don't even go in. Okay, mm. fine. So two fucking days later, (sighs) the day after the bodies were found, this manager tells, the manager tells this other off-duty cop about it. Mm. The cop sees some flecks of blood still in the restroom and he calls the police department. Allen and Ridge come a little bit later and took some scrapings off the wall. And then the manager also gave them a pair of sunglasses that he had pulled out of the toilet. Wait, how many days later? Two days. Two days after. So the bathrooms have not been cleaned. They have, but there were there were specks of blood is how they describe it now. Like it was like smears before and they're like, say maybe in like your grout or something. I don't know. Yeah. 
I don't know. But I'm still like, if you know there's blood left, clean it. Like, either clean it or don't. Yeah. I'm not going to yeah, lie. You Have you guys been like- to Bojangles? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. They don't pay me enough for this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all the blood? What, come on, man. I'll, say, I'll get 90% of the blood, but, like, come on. I was thinking more in, like, fuck, even 2000s, it was common practice that you bloodborne pathogens, fuck, if there's blood... You have to clean it with bleach. Yeah, clean it the you know, fuck up. Yeah. 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 It's a but, workplace hazard. Like it's but this is in the middle of nowhere. But, yeah, that's the thing, man. It's in their it's, restroom and not in like the kitchen or yeah, something too. Yeah, yeah. But uh. But it's it's like man, small towns, man. Yep. It's like yeah. And fast food. And fast food, you're so, right. So so when Lax yeah. talks to this manager six months later, the manager said he was never contacted again by the police after that at all. <laughs> oh god. So Fogelman had an 18-year-old listed as a potential witness who had been interviewed by police for nearly five hours. Mm. He was given a polygraph, and he said that Jesse Miss Kelly admitted to him that, quote, he was with Jason and Damien when they sacrificed them little kids. So Lax goes to talk to this 18-year-old. Lax tapes his interview, and in it, the boy said he had tried to tell the police the truth of what he knew of the murders, which was basically nothing. Um... He said the police just yelled at him until he told them what they thought, what he thought they wanted to hear. Mm -hmm. Uh, He told Lax, Jesse never said anything to him about the young boys. Mm. Like he just made it up, told his mom and then his mom called the cops and then he didn't want to tell his mom he had lied to her. So he just went with it. Like, God, jeez, dude. And then there were a handful of people that Lax interviewed that had descriptions of really similar times with the police where they were just like yeah i don't know they were like really like hostile and they kept like yelling at me until like i said something mm. like that's it's not a great reputation for the yeah, police department shit wow dude so then there's this fucking knife <laughs> then the knife. no i don't i don't think this is the knife no this is not the knife from the from the lake mm. Yeah, I know. I keep. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. Sorry, another knife. Uh, another another knife. one. Another one. Uh-huh. <laughs> I feel so guilty just even doing. I know. These I know. Yeah. Uh, we gotta laugh though. I mean, this is. Yeah. I mean, it's awful. so fucked up. So there's this fucking knife, and uh, <laughs> it gets FedExed to the West Memphis Police Department on they say January eighth, nineteen ninety four, just before jury selection for Jesse's trial. Somehow the package was discarded. I can't imagine that it's like. The police slacking off. Right. No big deal. Just throw this package it's away. Like just Probably throw in some tissue and like in a FedEx box. But then <laughs> they kind of came back later and they were like, it's pretty convenient. The package was uh, discarded because then we don't have the date that would have been printed on the package as far as when it got delivered. Hmm. But like the defense was kind of saying that they held off on saying they got this knife when they were pretty sure they got it quite a bit earlier. Gotcha. So the FedEx guy just like delivered a knife. <laughs> like literally it's like, no, no honestly, I don't know. I there's don't know. They this just guy, drop it off. They said drop it off here. I don't know what to tell you, you know. So this this I'm I have read this before and I'm rereading this and I'm like, what the fuck? Like out yeah. loud to my Kindle. Yeah. Um so this is like a nine inch long knife. It was sent to the Arkansas crime lab which they found blood on the knife consistent with the blood of Chris Byers. And they also noted that it was consistent with 8% of the population. Like DNA ain't got that far yet. You yeah, know? sure. So this news breaks, the trial's already going. So Jesse's lawyers are like, they're, you know, balls to the wall in the trial. Mm. So bless his heart. Lax is looking into this again. 
So Lax looks into it and he finds that it was sent to Gitchell. Fucking Gitchell. <laughs> by these by these two filmmakers who had been working what? with the victims and the defendants' families. My God. So they said a few days before Christmas, Mark Byers, Christopher's dad, Sketch McGee, yes, gifted a crew member a used hunting knife. They noticed later that it seemed to have traces of blood on it, and at first they thought it would be rude of them to turn it over to police because maybe Byers just didn't realize, and it was just like a nice gesture. I, I really couldn't follow their logic because yeah. I was so irritated about it. And then they meet with... The mental gymnastics required to fucking make this make I know. sense. Like, what? But they, like, the next day did turn it over. Okay. So okay. Uh, they, they met with their HBO producers and stuff, and they, they, like, ultimately decided, yeah, if there's fucking any chance that this is connected to the murders, we should get it checked out. Absolutely. Cool. I'm like, well, I'm so glad y'all came to that conclusion. I hate that you even hesitated. Yeah. But... So this is awful timing for the defense because they hadn't focused on buyers as a suspect at all, right? Yeah. So they've got all this shit to wade through in Discovery. They keep calling it the Discovery mess because, like, they're just drowning them in every pointless bullshit thing so that they're drowning and can't yeah. find what matters. Absolutely. So that early buyers... Honestly, I'm sure it's probably a pretty, like, effective strategy. I think so. there's... I think there's probably laws about it but it would be hard to prove yeah. you know like yeah even if there's not laws about it you know ethically don't fucking do this yeah. you're not playing fair oh no like absolutely dirty. dude um and that early buyers interview didn't come to them for six fucking months mm. and then some records like buyers activities as a drug informant and his felony conviction for threatening to kill his ex-wife that got overturned mm. they never got those they didn't even know about that of course of course not <laughs> So, um, West Memphis PD questioned buyers again. This is... This, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> buyers said, yeah, yeah, I did have a knife like that. He described it. He, you know, it was a Kershaw knife. It was about this long. It was you look like this. And he said he had given it to a member of the film crew as a Christmas gift. He said it had not ever been used at all by anybody. And he had intended to use it for deer meat, but he never got to. Um... Byers identified the knife in the police's photos. Yeah, that's my knife. And the cops were like, well, the crime lab found blood on it. And Byers <laughs> is like, well, you know, one time I was cutting some deer meat and my knife wasn't sharp enough. Mm -hmm. And I did go get that knife and I used that knife uh -huh. on it. Yeah. And the cops say, well, the blood on it is, is human. It's Chris's type. And Byer said, well, I don't know anything about how that got on there. I didn't even nick myself that time I used it for deer meat. Like, I, I don't, that doesn't make sense. So Gitchell. Well, that checks out. All right. Thank you for your time. Oh, yeah. just yeah, wait. Exactly. Just wait. My God. Gitchell says, well, I, I got to be straight with you here. And yeah. I'm so sorry for having to ask, but were you around or involved at all, participated in the deaths <laughs> of the boys? And Byer said, no, absolutely not. Well, I'm going to apologize for this question yeah. first. He did. Um, it was really sketchy. So, <laughs> Lack said that Gitchell sounded worried and almost apologetic in his interview, much different than in his interview with Jesse. Of, of course. course. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. That's why I keep you guys around. <laughs> Are we the same person? Yep. The, lab, the lab found that the blood was consistent with Mark's as well. And when Mark Byers was told that, he said... Well, no, actually, I did cut myself that time that I was cu mm -hmm. cutting up that deer meat. 
Mm. Oh my. How God. fucking convenient. Yeah. How convenient. Mm. Like, what are you doing? <sighs> so, Lax is realizing how many times the police pick and choose which statements to believe. They did it with Aaron Hutchison, ignoring the contradictions and accepting that what he said, you know, he witnessed the satanic activities and the murders. Yeah. They did it with mm-hmm. Jesse Miss Kelly, ignoring all his contradictions to accept anything that implicated him and Damien and Jason. And now they're doing it with Byers' contradictions to accept his statement that made the knife seem less suspicious. Yeah. And the judge who had ordered Byers' felony conviction for threatening his ex-wife's life uh, to be overturned mm-hmm. was Judge Burnett, who's presiding over this case. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I Fucking small town, man. And That's then, gnarly. That is so fucking gnarly. That Rolex case that I just like mentioned early on where Byers was involved and uh, it was just barely mentioned in the murder case file. The state reports were never made part of the file, but Byers confessed. Mm-hmm. Byers was like, yeah, yeah, I, I frauded that. Yeah, I did that. Fogelman's boss suggested that he not be prosecuted. This is wow. going on during the murder investigation and like leading up to the trials. All right, so we're getting into the trials. Jesse's confession was admitted into evidence, so Stidham's defense had to focus on discrediting it. Jesse sat slumped over, staring at his feet throughout his trial, and Stidham had advised him to sit like that so he didn't seem cocky, but then some spectators took that as a sign of shame and guilt. Like, you can't win for losing, you know? Yeah, absolutely, Mm -hmm. dude. So, opening arguments. Um, Fogelman, who's the main prosecutor... Um, he told the jury that not everything in Jesse's confession was true and that those discrepancies are easily explained as being just bungled attempts to minimize his involvement. What? (laughs) Fogelman urged the jury to pay attention to things in the statement that only the true killer would have known that one of the boys had been cut in the face, that another had been sexually mutilated, and that all three had been beaten. Stidham pointed out in his opening statement that the West Memphis PD was under a lot of pressure from the public to arrest someone from the crime. And they had decided Damien Eccles was their chosen target since day one. And Jesse, Miss Kelly was just caught up in it all. I mean, that that all checks out. Yeah. That that sounds pretty fucking accurate. Right. (laughs) And I really am trying my best to like, present the case like not just you know but it's hard not to like look at these glaring fucking things yeah. and be like man even if this is not even if this was like not the case like dude, this is a big fucking issue with like you're going outside of protocol. You're going yeah. outside of like what the the normal function of fucking a police de- a department and yeah. all. I mean, like, what the fuck, man? <sighs> um, sorry, I think Trump, I think I think Trump's mugshot just came out. <laughs> yeah, this it is did, important. It did. Oh, really? Yeah, get ready <laughs> yeah. to see this on Let's every fucking T-shirt there's <laughs> ever. <laughs> This is going to break Etsy. I saw someone comment that. That's hilarious. (laughs) Uh, Okay. All right. Back to this. Sorry. Um, (laughs) So, um, Stidham explained that Inspector Gitchell, fucking Gitchell, and Detective Ridge knew that Jesse's story was factually incorrect in many, many important areas and that the specifics they said only a killer would have known were actually pretty widely known. Hmm. <laughs> I had to reply. What? <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't realize the Trump. You, I can't believe you didn't tell me the Trump mugshot came out, Larry. 
I I just saw it like when we were recording the original, uh, the original, the regular episode. Oh, okay. I was like, oh <laughs> shit, oh, look at that. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Um. So he explained that um you know there's all these fuck ups and like these things that they're saying are tiny little details like ev- those were everywhere. Um, he stressed that the detectives terrified Jesse and broke his will until they told him what they had wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. I would agree with mm-hmm. that. Fogelman gave the jury more than three dozen photos of the victim's bodies naked, bound, and uncovered on the muddy bank. That seems like... I'm, what a, I mean, but... Have a little empathy for the jury. like I, No, but dude, that's the thing is like everybody wants to like prey on emotions. Yeah. And I mean, like it's it's effective, yeah. And that's why it's used. Ugh. So it, it's completely fucked, in my opinion. Yeah. But at the same time, it's it's effective. Yeah. So. Um. And then he called Dr. Frank Peretti of the Arkansas Crime Lab to talk about the autopsy findings, which remember we couldn't get forever. Yeah. So uh, we being anybody, like the police, weren't getting those forever. Yeah. Um, jurors were also handed autopsy photos. When Stedham cross-examined Peretti, he asked them, was there any evidence the boys had been choked? No. Was there any evidence they had been sodomized, like Jesse had described? No. Mm. I always forget that detail. Like, I always forget that, like, they come back and they're like, actually, the, the boys, none of them had been raped. Like, we, we can tell that in the yeah. medical exam. Even though that was, like, what was run, first of all, you know. And what like, everybody has said. Yeah. Yeah. And... Still says, really, you know? Yeah, no, I totally. So Fogelman calls Gitchell and uh, like to the stand. Yeah. Gitchell said that Jesse had been very relaxed and not under any pressure from the police when he was interviewed. <laughs> oh, wow. Right? Thank you. Uh, Gitchell played that eerie little recording of Aaron's voice saying, nobody knows what happened but me. Saying, yeah, we played this for Jesse to see how he would react. But they didn't give any explanation. They didn't say whose voice it was. Or <laughs> what? Nothing. They just played that in court. And then they played the full 34-minute confession tape of Jesse's. God. Dude. So Stidham goes up, and he cross-examines Skitchell, and he points out most of the inaccuracies in Jesse's confession, which we know are many. Yeah. And he asks Skitchell, did it ever cross your mind maybe the whole story is false? And Gitchell just repeats what Fogelman said. No, Jesse was just trying to minimize his involvement. Like He just got confused. Confused. Confused no. is a detail here or there. Yes. Not the whole... Mm. The whole fucking, like, getting 80% of the story mixed up. Yeah. That's not confusion. No. That's falsification. <laughs> uh, just making it up. Yeah. And Vicki Hutchison got called up to testify about going with Damien and Jesse to the SBAT. Like, I, that was kind of pointless. No. They thankfully never called poor little Aaron Hutchison to testify. Um, Fogelman decided his accounts were too inconsistent. Like, he just... He kept, every time they talked to him, he would add more and more weird details that, like, they knew weren't true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if I threw it in my notes. At at one point, he was like, uh, we, like, drained the boys' blood into buckets, and uh, they made me dismember one of them. Did I not include that? No, I didn't include that. Because they just knew, like, none of the boys were dismembered. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah. Go ahead. What? What stands out to me about the trial process um, is just thinking ahead. Obviously, we know what happened throughout the whole thing, but 
the trial lasted what uh, a year probably. No, right from ninety three to ninety four. No, the trial started in ninety four. Oh, it started ninety four. How long did it last? Um, I don't know that I have the date of when it of when it was done. I can check it out real quick. Yeah, it wasn't that long though. March nineteenth, nineteen ninety four. Uh, they were found guilty. Theirs were different trials than Jesse's. Oh, okay. So, I, I don't... Anyway, the point that I'm trying to make here is that all of this quote-unquote evidence is being pushed so quickly because of that, that whole thing that you mentioned about we knew, we, you know, we had pressure to solve these murders and... Oh, yeah. Essentially... Jesse's trial was, like, not even a month long. Yeah, it looks right. like most and of then, it, like concluded in 94 right yeah 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 yeah. so just the speed of the trials and all of this all together from 93 to 94 and then then you have them serving 18 years and then starting their appeal uh and then waiting four years to get released and then still being on suspended probation whenever they were released like just well, it's the fact that it took the, that the old, long, and and the old like innocent until proven guilty kind of thing. Oh, bullshit! Yeah, maybe for some people. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess yeah. That, that's what, like this is an irritating case. Not only that shows the lack of transparency and and I guess um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Just oversight mm. on investigations that are going to impact in this case kids, right? Young adults, I guess you could say. Well, what? I mean, at the time of the murders and the arrests, like... 17? Um, yeah, like, 16, 17, and 18. Yeah. yeah. So they spent 18 years in prison with, like, this kind of loose evidence, and there was no oversight. Everything was a shamble. The whole thing was ridiculous. And then they go to prison, which is supposed to be a rehabilitation center, they spent 18 years there and then finally build up enough evidence with new technology or whatever. Uh, anyway, it's just that the timelines are baffling to me. No, yeah. uh, absolutely, just, dude. Absolutely. Well, and they, they didn't actually get like exonerated. They took Alfred pleas, which I'll get into because those are weird and weird. <laughs> all right. It just, it just, it's all fucked up and it speaks on the justice system that we, currently still have yeah absolutely dude that's the point that i was trying to make with that so yeah yeah um it's it is it's very much a mess so much like more than i can even get into yeah um so those fibers came up um stidham pretty successfully disproved the fibers as evidence getting the state crime lab technician uh lisa sacavicius to say that many fibers are microscopically microscopically similar and that the discovery proved nothing. So, like, these were items that were in the homes of two of the defendants that similar item, or fibers had been found at the crime scene. Which we were already talking about this earlier. That they were like, just mass-produced. Yeah, and, it's like, I mean, uh, my God, how many people have Ikea furniture yeah. kind of thing? Yeah. You know? And it's like, I'm, I'm sorry, when you're from this socioeconomic, like, place, that it's like... You don't think there's going to be some fucking similar furniture and exactly. stuff? Exactly. You know? Yeah. I don't know. And 
it was all and it was it was Ida it was like a bathrobe at one of them's house and like a women's blouse at the other yeah. that were things that neither of the boys would have yeah. worn. Mm. So it would have been What are you even getting at? Yeah, like at any anybody could have brought that from yeah. there. <laughs> it was just so far fetched. Yeah. And then to get the crime lab person to be like, oh, this is far fetched and goofy. I'm just glad Thanks. Brutus like is on board. Brutus so. has words. <laughs> you guys are hearing just that? barely, I, just a couple. Uh, okay. nah, no, you're good, man. Um, I, just, I, I just heard that last one. Yeah, it's, I've have heard it like once earlier. <laughs> um, so Sacavicius also describes the types of knots that were used on each of the items. So this answered your question about that. I don't yeah. know my knots, but it lists them. Yeah. Uh, Michael had a combination of square knots and half hitches. Stevie had half hitches, a figure eight, and loops, and Christopher had four double half hitches. I know there's got to be some Boy Scouts listening. There. I know square <laughs> knots, and I know figure eights. Perfect. That's all. I don't know half hitches or double half hitches. Well, you're so. found not guilty. Okay. You couldn't have successfully done any of these. Thank you. <laughs> I've exonerated myself. Perfect. <laughs> well, you're not that in the clear yet. Oh, you did have a, a woman's blouse. It couldn't be in the your fact, shopping cart. It could be of your Amazon. It could be the fact that I was in second grade at could this be. point. It could so, be. Uh, that, that, I, we're not ruling anything okay. out. At this we point, were all so. younger than these victims, yeah. so I feel like. Yeah. So, um, Fogelman later suggested that these knots suggested multiple killers, which they mentioned before, too. Um, and then that origin of the Negroid hair, it wasn't clear earlier about where that was found. That was on a sheet that Christopher's body was wrapped in when it went to the lab. So, the Negroid so hair wasn't yeah. necessarily even at the crime scene. It could have been someone working there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or anybody who had been around the sheet. Yeah. Where'd you get the sheet? Yeah. Huh. So, um, Fogelman, I know, Fogelman planned to call this teenager named William Jones to support Vicki Hutchison's testimony. Oh, I fucked up my stories. Earlier, I jumped ahead to this guy. Um, What's up? The other guy that said Damien had told him the stuff. That was a different kid. This is a specific guy who said um, the the prosecutors were going to get him to testify. They had this video of him saying that Damien had told him he was a member of a satanic cult and that he had raped and killed the boys. Then Lax talked to this boy and his parents, and he told him. I just got my two. There were a lot of people that I mean, had dude, said some shit yes. and then backed it back off. Absolutely, yeah. So not to repeat myself, but that was actually this guy later. Yeah, for sure. So when they get into this. Um, a lot of moving parts. So many. <laughs> and a lot of just... Kids repeating rumors and then being like, will you testify to that? And then be like, I guess. I, guess. I don't know. Uh, maybe. I feel like I can't tell the police no. Can I have another fruit roll up? <laughs> I'm hungry. So, um, and Lax got this videoed statement of Jones saying he was going to testify that he didn't know anything about the case and mm. that Damien had said nothing to him about it and that the info that he did know was just rumors and news he had heard. Yeah. Lax stole Lax told Stidham about Jones recanting and Stidham gave Fogelman a heads up. One Fogelman's fucking furious. Yeah. Cause Fogelman had this guy that was going to be like, Damien told me this and this and this. Yeah. And Fogelman's like, you were just going to get on the stand and change your story. And the kid's like, I didn't know what else to do. It's going to get up there and tell the truth. Yeah. Sorry. Well, they're, they're getting me to swear on a Bible, man. It seems kind of real. You like, know? sorry, man. I'm a teenager. I didn't realize, like, uh, what the... Should I have given you a heads up? I don't know. 
Like, <laughs> jeez, dude. Yeah. Ugh. So one of Lax's investigators, Cheryl Acock, she drove this kid to the courthouse. Fogelman asked to talk to the kid alone. And the kid was like, no, will you please stay? Yeah. Fogelman's like, who even is this? And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm with uh, private investigator Ron Lax. And Fogelman's just like, Bleh! like he yeah. just blows up. He's just mad. Yeah. So some of the things in, in Cheryl Acock's sworn affidavit were that, quote, Fogelman asked Jones, the teenager, mm. what Mr. Lax had done to make him change his story. He replied, nothing. Okay. He asked, did Mr. Lax threaten him? No. Jones said he just wanted to tell the truth. He told Jones, Fogelman told Jones not to be afraid. Quote, no one can touch you. Mr. Lax can't touch you. Jesse can't touch you. Damien can't touch you. The cult can't touch you. There's no fucking cult. <laughs> Did Lax threaten to send the cult out after you? This is a quote. Did he say they'd cut your pause off? Yeah. Like, I'm sure there was a motion there or something. Oh, you know? yeah, I'm sure. Jones was yeah. like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, another man who Acock assumed was Gitchell approached and asked Jones, how much is he paying you? Wow, dude. Fogelman had Lax investigated and nothing was found. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lax was going through a divorce at the time and uh, uh, like a, a detective called the house and asked about him and she, she told the detective go to hell. <laughs> yes. <sighs> I love that. Um, so once Fogelman rested the prosecution side of the case, Jesse's trial is not even half over, but Jesse's feeling positive. He thought a statement, quote, wouldn't be no good because from what he'd seen on TV shows, if you convict somebody, you've got to have some kind of physical evidence. Anybody can say anything. Uh, you sweet summer damn. child. Dude. Uh, this, this. <sighs> Yeah, it's, it's, it's bothering me. So much. I know. Yeah. Okay, so uh, there were some issues with Jesse's alibi. His father was having pretty much nightly news conferences. Oh my god! Just on his on his front porch, and that was pissing off the prosecution. Um, but his dad was saying that he had been in a different county on the night of the murders, and at the first hearing. Um, Fogelman told Stidham that there was a speck of blood on a shirt at Jesse's trailer that matched Michael Moore's. Stidham asked Jesse about the blood, and he said it was his own. This fucking kid. One of his favorite pastimes was throwing a Coke bottle up in the air and busting it with his fist to show how tough he was. And that's how the blood got on his shirt. Wow. Okay. Small town kids, man. <laughs> yeah, but this is small town, simple kids. Sure, sure. So. And poor, poor kids. And poor kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, I, yeah. I was literally today, I was showing kids how to use grass to like, have you yeah, ever done the, the thing? whistle thing. The whistle thing. Whistle? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what I'm talking no. about? And I was trying to teach <laughs> yes. a kindergartner, a first grade, sound. and a, a second grader. And they were like, that's crazy. How can you do that with grass? God, yes. I've not done that in forever. And I was like, I was, <laughs> I lived Go in Granger County for eight years or whatever. <laughs> that's how you learn. <laughs> you have nothing else oh, to do man. than use grass for whistles. Oh, I'm, uh-huh. I'm wiping off the dry erase board. It has been zero days since we've mentioned Granger County. <laughs> Oh, damn it. <laughs> hey, man. We made I, it to seven. I, I love it. Granger County, man. It's it's sweet spot. I love their tomatoes. Sweet spot my heart for Tomatoes. Them. There you go. Tomatoes. <laughs> Maters. 
so uh, a couple days later, Fogelman called Stidham and said, oh, we were actually wrong. That blood was not Michael Moore's. How are you wrong? Yeah. So Stidham goes to talk to Jesse's alibi witnesses who confirmed that Jesse had been with them until midnight that the night of the murders. But then the witnesses were afraid of getting involved and they kept waffling. Oh, well, I'm not sure if we remember the exact night. I don't know. We don't know. Yeah, we do. I don't know. I would be too. You're yeah. asking me like six months later, was he with me on a rant? I don't fucking know what I did last Wednesday, dude. Yeah. Like. No, I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, that's a common thing. That's something they talk about in, in the podcast serial. Like, I don't know. Unless it was like witness, some weird Witness day. testimony is so incredibly like. Yeah. Fucking, what, what, what is the word? Incon- and unreliable. Unreliable. Yeah. Thank you. So in the trial, the prosecution made it sound like the defense just invented this story and told these witnesses to go along with it. And that's why they were kind of waffling. Um, Stidham didn't want to call Jesse to testify because he already wasn't very articulate. And then the idea of him being cross-examined, he said it would be like handing him over on a silver platter. Yeah. And it would. Absolutely. It would. Um, Stidham decided to raise doubts about Jesse's abilities and the police's conduct. He tried to show that the police were getting desperate by the time that Jesse was questioned. He showed bad police work. <laughs> Not hard to do. That's an understatement. Yeah. Right. Desperate is an understatement. Getting desperate is an yes. understatement. And then they entered this whole thing desperate. Yeah. <laughs> and then he mentions, you know, we've got this Negroid hair that was never explained. And the Bojangles Fuck. man was black. And you guys didn't look that into guy. this. You're. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is a point. <laughs> it's a point. Like, it's, it's a point. It's, it's something point, they should have looked into. It, well, it, it, yes. It, it's like if you That's find valid. a hair like that, yeah. it's like, okay, come on. <laughs> you know? Did we have any strange characters who could fit the description of owning this hair? No, yeah. That same time. Maybe we should look into that. No. Nah. There was this guy, uh, he was disoriented the other day and bleeding and he yeah he had a lot of blood on him but i didn't think that would be important not a big deal i'm just gonna close that one out yeah Yeah. um ridge admitted when stidham questioned him that the blood scrapings that were taken from bojangles were lost so they didn't have any dna to test against that negroid hair Mm. you you love to see it so Stenham wanted Jesse evaluated by a psychologist, but the defense didn't have any fucking money. Yeah. Like they don't have the money to pay an expert to come do stuff, you know? Okay. So to ask the state to approve it, they would have had to specify everything that they hope to do, which is going to give away their whole strategy. Yeah. So not great. Yeah. Um, later on, the state created a public defender's office with a budget for that. But during these trials, all they had was their own money and the ability to beg people. Yeah. So Stidham begged a local psychologist, William E. Wilkins, to examine Jesse. He agreed to do so without pay. Bless that dude. I know, like, right? Ugh. Especially with the reputation these kids have at this point. Yeah, you know? right? So Wilkins's report said that Jesse bordered on being mentally retarded. Again, this is 93, 94. This is the phrasing they used at the time, you know, sure. like yes, medically. Sure. Yeah, of course. Um, his maximum scores on tests showed that he was academically on a third or fourth grade level. The night before Wilkins would be testifying, the prosecution dropped the bombshell that he was about to lose his license. There were allegations that this doctor had a little boy take off his pants to look for a birthmark and there were no witnesses around. And Wilkins did lose his license for that, like for like misconduct. Alla fucking gations, dude. Mm. 
Oh my god. Um, Let's go back to Mr. Bojangles just a little bit. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I've been trying to think. Yeah. Uh, to see if we have gotten to the point where they admitted that they lost those blood scrapings that were mentioned earlier. Have we gotten to that? Yeah. Yet? I just said that. She just, yeah. Okay, okay. Just, okay. <laughs> I was thinking, I was like, did I hear that? Or yeah, no, I didn't. Yeah, 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 she just yeah. said that. <laughs> oh, shit. You're, you're listening. You're just not processing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> what if they lost the <laughs> oh man wouldn't it be terrible yeah. if they lost evidence <laughs> so um <laughs> even knowing uh, wilkins lost his license a few weeks after jesse's trial but so even knowing that the prosecution was going to discredit the fuck out of wilkins yeah. stidham had to have him testify because he didn't have a choice like this is the this is the night before he's going to testify he couldn't have quickly found another psychologist to testify and especially not for free yeah you know yeah. So the other two witnesses that Stidham was basing the defense on were Warren Holmes, who was an expert on polygraphs, and Dr. Richard Offshe, an expert on coerced confessions. Both had this, like, crazy national recognition in their fields. Like, these are good experts. Yeah. Um, the jury never got to hear much of shit that they had to say because of the prosecutors course. objected to everything. Ugh. Like, and, and I'm, I'm sure that the judge upheld these uh, Oh, yeah. So. I have a lot of notes on it. All right. Um, the judge had what are called in-camera hearings without the jury present. And uh, so the two teams debate, and the judge decides what should and should not be allowed to be presented in front of the jury. Okay. That's a fairly common thing in court, but not not used as fucking many times as this trial. Yeah. So. So is it normally used like for certain pieces of evidence or something? It'll be like, like that, is this admittable like, in relation to this case? Yeah. Like, because um, a lot of times there's a lot of questions about what you can and can't include. Like, say if they yeah. wanted to include like the Rolex thing, if they had tried Mark Byers. Yeah. They could probably argue, well, that doesn't have anything to do with this. Yeah. And it's going to discredit him. And so, like, they would take the jury out. put him out. in a bad light kind of thing yeah. or something. You know, yeah. okay. But it, but it really doesn't have much to do with the actual yeah. case kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, I got you. I've seen it used when someone has other crimes that, like, may muddy the waters with this case, but mm. that aren't being tried with this case. Okay. Um, so Stidham wanted to show the jury that Detective Bill Durham <laughs> had misled Jesse about the polygraph. This fucking this guy. Fucking guy. Um, Stidham believed that Jesse had initially told the truth. And then when Durham said, this polygraph proves you're lying, he felt trapped and overwhelmed. I, I could see that. Yeah. Stidham talked Holmes into testifying for free. Again, people that do pro bono work, bless them. You yeah, know? Absolutely. Holmes had, Holmes had a fucking resume. He had done consulting for the FBI, the Texas Rangers, and the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Damn. He had done... Oh, you mean he was legit? Uh, you could say that. He did polygraph exams <laughs> on some of the best-known cases in recent history. Ones you may have heard of. Watergate, um, Kennedy's assassination, and uh, King's assassination. Allie, John, thing, John... You're not understanding. Look. Bill you're Kennedy? You're not understanding that... Who? Wait, Kennedy? Who's Kennedy? I'm just kidding. Polygraphs will never go outside of, you know, being used in the legal system. They're here to stay. <laughs> well, 
they're, they're no longer admissible. They were, yeah, exactly, they were, exactly, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Literally two paragraphs away, I'm getting to that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, you're good, you're good. I'm glad you got to that. So when, when Holmes starts looking over the polygraph charts, he finds, no, Jesse didn't show any signs of deception about anything he was asked yeah. other than when he was asked, had he ever done drugs? Which he had, but he said the, he hadn't. Yeah. The only person in this world who could say legitimately <laughs> no and not and their heart rate not go my up nerd ass is Allie. Is Allie. Hey, that's, what do you? That's, okay, never mind. My <laughs> only person in the my, world. My heart rate's still gonna go up because I'm gonna be like, they're gonna think I did. They're gonna think I got weeded. <laughs> look at me, I have three piercings in my nose. Yes, I look God. like a druggie. What a weed. Oh, what a weed. What a weed. I got isn't that, isn't that what they're called? Weeders? I'm a weeder. <laughs> it's a weed head. A weed head <laughs> is what you're referring to. So, but other than that, there were no other signs of deception. So Durham had just straight up lied to Jesse, being like, this is showing that you're lying. Yeah. No, it wasn't. Yeah. So in an in camera hearing, I keep wanting to pronounce it different, but it really is pronounced in camera. Like I want yeah. it to be fancier, like in camera or something, but yeah. it's just in camera. Um, Judge Burnett brought up that polygraphs had been considered not to be reliable. Ugh. Fucking 1994, we're already that. saying polygraphs yeah, are not seriously. reliable. <laughs> <sighs> Burnett decided that the results of Jesse's polygraph were not admissible under any circumstances in court. So this meant he would also be selective about what Holmes would be allowed to testify on. He said Holmes could not speculate on the results of the test or on whether the results implied guilt or innocence or on whether the person interpreting the results was telling the truth. What are you going to let me talk about? <laughs> yeah, right. Not much of shit. Yeah. Holmes would be allowed to talk about whether, quote, whether or not the polygraph could have induced a person to make a statement that they would not have otherwise made. So I get to ask you one question. Yeah, right. That's the whole fucking thing. Like you are being interrogated. Your stress is going to go up. Your stresses are of course. going up. Your heart rate is going to increase. Your blood pressure is going to go. Like the whole premise of a polygraph is fucking flawed. I would be well, nervous I just, I giving understand. a polygraph because yeah. I would be like. I would just be nervous. I would be nervous. <laughs> and I would be like. I'm I'm somehow going to fuck this up and this thing's going to think that I'm lying. So there's a thing called yeah. in the in the healthcare community called white coat hypertension. Yep. And what it is <laughs> is when you're getting your blood pressure taken, it's elevated falsely yeah. because you're nervous about having your blood pressure taken. I had that the yeah. last time I had blood work done and they were like, "Your blood pressure's a little high. Yeah. Are are you like nervous?" Mm. And I was like, no, but every time I have blood work done, I throw up and I almost pass out. So I'm just kind of dreading that. Yeah. And it's like, oh. And then I did. It's yeah, it's almost like <laughs> hey, it yeah. makes you have blood pressure issues. Yeah, like I'm, thing, I'm so. just it's, dreading. It's just embarrassing to be like, please pass me the trash can. I'm going to throw up in it and probably black out for a second. Yeah. Can I have some water, maybe? <laughs> hey, y'all get any of them cookies? <laughs> y'all get any of them cookies to you, give me after you, you take my blood? You bitches made me fast all day, and now you wonder why I'm lightheaded. Yeah. So, still... Y'all got any of them garlic cookies? <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, um... Stidham was saying, you know, there's there's case law that other courts had held that any evidence tending to show the evidence show the innocence of the accused is admissible. Makes sense, like, because you've got like 
you're trying to prove your case. Like yeah, you should be absolutely. able to, you know. Yeah. So Burnett acted like it was just nuts to have Holmes testify that Jesse was not showing deception. Yeah. What? Why? Well, like I said, coming back to the whole concept, or at least the base con- basic concept of our judicial system, or how it should function, yeah. is innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. So it should be way easier to prove innocence than guilt. Yeah. You shouldn't have to prove innocence. Yes. That's the whole exactly. goal. You, well, exactly. That's the point. You're exactly. not supposed yeah. to. My point and even is, if you get found, yeah. even if you get found guilty, the whole point is to fix that, yeah. like rehabilitate. Yes. And none of that is no. true. Absolutely. None of no. it. So, um, Holmes was allowed to state for the record with the jury still gone, what he would have told the jury if allowed. And this is called a proffer of proof, apparently. Um, so that way it's still like in the case if it goes to like appeals or anything later, goes to higher court, anything. Um, they've got record of it. They okay. just weren't allowed to say it in front of the jury. Okay. So he listed three factors that might indicate to him. Sorry, that, real quick. Yeah. You said proffer of proof. Yeah. Okay. Got weird, it. weird phrasing. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, he listed three factors that might indicate to him that a suspect was giving a false confession. Number one, these are quotes. Number one, they don't tell you anything you don't already know. Number two, what they do say doesn't jibe with the crime scene analysis or the physical evidence of any investigation that has been done up to that point. And number three, if they don't relate it in narrative form, you have to be suspicious. So basically, like, if you're having to pull the shit out of them without them telling you a story, you should question that very hard. A.K.A. Leading the witness kind of shit. Uh huh. <laughs> it's like if you ask an open ended question and they don't answer it, like yeah. give them suggestions. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. Just, like, Just give a couple suggestions. Carve a path <laughs> for like <sighs> what the entire fuck is all of this. God. So he goes on to say, yeah. Real, real quick tangent. Yeah. Sorry to do this on an untethered. You're good, but, dude. Uh, we uh, we have been packing Finn's lunch for school. Yeah. And he's supposed to buy milk. And we got an extra charge today, and it said milk and snack. And we go, mm. and so we started cross examining the suspect, aka Finn. And mm. we were like, <laughs> So hang on, dude. So you bought some milk and you bought something else. What else did you buy? I don't remember. I don't remember. So Megan starts naming stuff, and I go, Stop leading the li- yeah. witness. I literally said, Stop leading the witness. Yeah. And I was like, You have to ask open ended questions. We got he it remembers. out. Of, we got it out of him. He bought a sugar cookie. Bless him. Because <laughs> we were like, "What's this twenty-five cent charge? We just want to know what it is." Twenty-five cents for a sugar cookie? I know it's a good deal. Get him to get me one next time. I know. I will. <laughs> I, I'm gonna say, "Hey, dude, double down." Allie I'll give wants him one. I'll give him fifty cents, and he can get him oh, one and shit. me one. Shit, dude. Oh, God, we'll work something out. But it, it was we're, the funniest, like fucking. I gotta like, go interior. see my plug. <laughs> It was the my plug. It's my cookie dealer. Uh, that's amazing. Oh my god. Anyway, sorry. Um, okay, yeah, you're good. So, so um, he goes on to say that valid confession. Are you okay? <laughs> no, I'm losing my shit over here. My fucking plug. <laughs> good. So uh, he goes on to say that valid confessions have an emotional release. You don't have to continue to question someone because they want to tell you this whole story. So if you conclude something that's wrong, 
and the confession is valid, they will be like, no, no, it was this. Yeah. You know? Exactly. They'll answer your questions directly. You don't have to correct them or lead them. Have you been on the internet? People love correcting people. Like, literally, it's like, uh, you could be like, oh, my God, like, I spelled butt with one T, you know? And it's like, oh, my God. Like, you have, like, more comments under that fucking comment than the original post Mm -hmm. because there's so many fucking, like, people out there wanting to correct you. Anyway. So, Holmes Holmes said that he didn't like that Jesse didn't contribute attribute any conversation to the boys and that he didn't express any feelings about the crime. Like during, like when he's telling you the story about, Oh, I was doing all this. He never says like, I felt bad about this or that, or I felt excited or I felt nothing, you know? Yeah. And, and talking about, he didn't attribute any conversation to the boys. So he kept saying, you know, me and Jesse and Damien were saying this and this and this. Yeah. And he never said anything about what any of the boys were saying. I didn't notice that earlier, but that is a good point. Yeah, that, that's a very good point, yeah. Um, he said, with some people, they think a polygraph is their last hope to get police off their backs, and that if they don't pass it, their will is just beaten and they just give up. So he said his findings from Jesse's polygraph were that he was not deceptive on any questions that were regarding the murders, and that he said that if someone interpreted the test results as showing someone is deceptive, when he tells the interrogators this, they will be more assertive in their accusatory format. So the guy reading the polygraph results, Mm -hmm. he looks at it, and I think what he actually said was, this kid is lying his ass off. That's what he said to the interrogators. (sighs) So then the interrogators are going to be like, all right, now we're playing hardball. Let's double down, man. Exactly. Oh, my God. Um, They negotiated with the judge for hours, according to the book about whether to allow the jury to hear all this testimony. Holmes was allowed to take the stand in front of the jury, but Stidham was only supposed to ask him a few general questions. They heard none of all those details that I just told y'all. How do you feel, how do you both feel if the jury was allowed to hear this whole conversation? Like, how do you think it would have gone? I think it really could have made them question all the tactics and stuff a lot more. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, dude, People, okay, so we're talking about 12 people that are not, well, hopefully, like, fucking normal people, whatever. They were. It got into it. They were, like, a a shop owner and a warehouse worker. Exactly. It's it's like you get presented with, like, fucking normal, factual information. Yeah. No, you're not going to come to a conclusion. But but that's the whole, like, that's what's so fucked about our judicial system is that it's, like, the key is... To like literally omit shit that is going to be that is going to uh, help the other side. Yes, yeah. exactly. Thank and you. And mm-hmm. this judge, remember, he he just hates psychology, sociology, yeah. anything that he doesn't think of as like a hard science. He thinks doesn't have any place <laughs> in the courtroom. Yeah, like yes, it does. I feel like a lot of judges would have allowed this stuff in because it was so relevant. But this judge was so weird about like brain science that he didn't want to fuck with it yeah you know yeah so question was he religious i don't know probably 
Oh my god. What does that have to do with anything? <laughs> no, and plus brain that science. is just like completely like what? Where did you come from that? What does brain science have to do with religion? I'm just being I'm just being super critical and super fucking Well, you're assigning shit thing. to things that we don't have any I, Yes, I, I am on, doing so. what the pro- I am oh, like the prosecution did. Oh my god. Oh, well okay, so two wrongs make a right. You're right. <laughs> no, no, and that's that's just <laughs> No, but just two sugar the cookies of do like, think oh, at me. Shit, <laughs> <laughs> I I I, I as we walk out of the podcast room, I see Allie slide a dollar <laughs> under the door. Two cookies tomorrow, bro. I'm just like, obviously, just looking back, I'm just like, this was fucked up and whatever, but I'm just irritated about the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is completely ridiculous. It is. So, regardless. We can power through and get to the end of this trial if you want to. It's up to you. It's up to you. It's up to you. Man, we're. It's late. It's late. And it's, uh, yeah. Uh, man, oh. I'm gonna no. I'm gonna I'm gonna say maybe ten more minutes. <laughs> okay, you want to do it? <laughs> I think we can do it. I'm just gonna make this face okay, and shake okay. my head. We can do it. Okay, or nod my head. Sorry. So their other expert, <laughs> uh, Doctor Richard Offshe. I I meant to look up how to pronounce his name because I don't remember, but I, it's spelled O F S H E. Mm. I'm just gonna say Offshe. Sounds good. Offshe. Offshe. Yeah, Offshe. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> like like Hamid's tale of Warren. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> so this guy was uh, pretty much just fucking shot down too. Stidham tried to convince Jesse's parents or did convince Jesse's parents to give the $5,000 that they were getting from HBO for that film to pay of she to come to Arkansas to uh, testify. Mm. Uh, once he was on the stand, the prosecutor started fucking objecting just constantly again. Burnett sent the jury out again. Burnett said he was interested in seeing what a sociologist would say that could have a scientific basis. Sociology is a science, bro. Yes. <laughs> he said that it seems like they it's called, called a social science for a reason. Yeah. It's, it's an ology. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, That's just one of them head science. Yeah. So, so Judge Burnett said, it seems like they called this witness in to give his opinion that Jesse was coerced and his confession was involuntary. Sidham said, yes, that is my intent. That's what you fucking call an expert for yes. is to provide their expert opinion. That's the whole point. Mm-hmm. Burnett said, what would even be the point of a jury then if the expert would say whether Jesse is guilty? Stidham said the expert wouldn't be testifying whether the confession's true or false or whether Jesse is innocent or guilty, but would talk about the voluntary nature of the confession. The whole point, you know, mm-hmm. Burnett told Stidham not to ask of she whether the confession was true or false or whether the officers coerced a confession. Again, what the fuck can I ask? Yeah, right. Of she testified that she believed, or he believed, Jesse had given a coerced statement. This is a, a big quote of his. A false statement, one that comes about because an individual can no longer stand the strain of the interrogation and knowingly gives a statement that they know to be untrue. So they fucking object. We've got another in-camera hearing without the jury. Mm. They talk it over. The judge sustains it. Jury is brought back in. Uh, Stidham asked the doctor, are certain individuals more susceptible to coercive police tactics than others? And the doctor said, yeah, people with lower self-confidence are more persuadable and more likely to respond to these tactics. And individuals who are mentally handicapped are at risk to these tactics. Oh, shit. Imagine that. Yeah. It's yeah. Almost like I can think of someone in this trial. But yeah. anyway, 
So when he asked Avshi whether he had an opinion, whether some of the interrogation tactics used on Jesse were coercive in nature, Avshi said, yes, he does have an opinion. Stidham asked what that opinion was. Prosecution objects. I left out some of the times that they took the jury out because there were so many. Okay. Yeah. They take the fucking jury out again. Judge Burnett uh, instructs the jury to disregard that last question and answer. Despite having uh, just told Stidham he could ask that exact question. Wow, dude. <laughs> disregard the solid argument change my, on nope, this. Change my mind. Nope. God. Stidham asked Judge Burnett, can I write down a question and get your approval before I ask it? And Judge Burnett said, okay, yeah. So Stidham wrote him a question. The judge said he could ask it. And Fogelman objected. And from what I could tell from how it was written, he didn't even ask the question. Yeah. Fogelman just objected before the question was even asked. That's, that's what it sounded like. That's, that's just how now. I read that part several times. <laughs> okay. And Burnett called a recess. And like, how fucking frustrated? I mean, I'm sure everybody, but especially the jury. When you're like, what is happening? What? Why am I serving jury duty when you keep sending me out for hours? Yeah. If, if I'm on a jury and I'm being sent out for hours after questions are I'm going to keep wondering. I am going to say, something's wrong yep. here. No. Mm-mm. I'm not going to be the 12th person. Fuck you. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Jeez, dude. So, like with the other <laughs> expert, Stidham had Offshee's testimony proffered to get it into record, although the jury would not hear it. And, again, if it goes to a higher court, they would, they would get to see it in the record later. Yeah. Burnett said that hearing it might make him change his mind about whether to exclude the info. You guys, you guys want to bet? Whether yeah, it makes right. Him. <laughs> <laughs> so the jury's out of the room. Off she stated that his opinion was, quote, that the statement made by Jesse Miss Kelly was a product of the influence tactics brought, on, or brought to bear on him and that it overbore his initial stated intention to maintain that he had nothing to do with this crime and was not there. So, like, yeah, coerced all the shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He said the officers continuing to not believe his statements made him feel helpless. And showing Jesse the photo of one of the murdered boys put more pressure on him, and he actually began to cry. And then they played him that fucking recording of Aaron's disembodied voice, and he said Jesse was conforming to the demand placed on him and is changing his statement based on suggestions and direct instructions by Gitchell. Because, I mean, Gitchell is giving him answers, you yeah, know? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. This dude is also an expert in cults. And Stidham says, do these murders have anything to do with satanic rituals or anything occult? And he said, as far as I can tell, no. Yeah. Like, there's nothing to show that. I mean, honestly, we're not experts, and it doesn't seem like cult shit. Right? Like, We've seen we've no. seen enough shit that yeah. it's like yeah. fucking a man. Yeah, doesn't, this doesn't seem line like, up with yeah. cold. Yeah, no. by any stretch. So Burnett decided to stand with his decision not to let the jury hear any of this statement because it would tell the jury how they should find the defendant. God, man. I just I don't get that impression. Yeah, mm, like not it's at not all. you're not going to call an expert to get up there and say this man is innocent because of course that's going to get thrown out. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. So when the jury comes back in, Stidham only got to ask Offshe one question in front of them at this point. Was it his opinion that the tactics used were suggestive and led Jesse to make a statement? And he replied, yes, and that the content of the statement was shaped by these techniques. 
Prosecutor Davis, who was actually over Fogelman but wasn't as involved usually, mm-hmm. um, he cross-examined Offshe, and he asked whether there was any proof of physical coercion. Did the officers yell or use a loud voice? <laughs> Shut oh the God. fuck up. I don't know, dude. Most of it's sh- written, sh- yeah. and the police are not going to write, we were being mean. <laughs> yeah. In a yelling voice, <laughs> this is what was said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we were we screaming and throwing that. chairs. <laughs> Put that in the journal, Jerry. Seriously. Fuck so off she said no in the limited material I was allowed to testify on. There's not anything about that. Yeah. Well, there you go. Checkmate, fucks. <laughs> <laughs> when uh when when Davis asked Offshe was he calling any leading question coercive, Offshe said they were more than just leading questions. The questions were very directly specifying what the answers should be. So he gets into the time parts. Yeah. And he says, there were eight different times that the concept of the time of the murders came up and was manipulated during the interrogation and that it was clear that Jesse was being pressured to do that. So Jesse first said it was about 9 a.m. And then he said, well, it was noon. And then Ridge replies to that and said, so it's after school let out? School isn't let out at noon. (laughs) Yeah, what? (laughs) So so obviously he's strongly suggesting it must be later. Absolutely. And then later on, Ridge says, okay, that night you guys were in the woods. And then Jesse starts to use night. the phrase at night, despite not ever having said anything about night before. My God, dude. Off she called this an influence tactic. Clearly, yeah. Oh, shit. And a way of pressuring somebody and suggesting something. Then Jesse, remember, he said later, well, it was five or six. And Gitchell said, you told me earlier around seven or eight. There's no notes of that ever being said before. <laughs> but Jesse goes along with it because he's being suggested, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stenham says when someone's being questioned, and they don't know, they could just say that, right? And off she says, yeah, they can, but sometimes they get to a point where they're just worn down and they give up. Yeah. Like, this kid was questioned for 11 hours. Yeah. He's going to tell you anything because he <laughs> is tired. And yeah. He doesn't, doesn't yeah. understand also. So here's the fucking verdict. <laughs> we're almost, we're, 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 we're I there. Can, I can see the bottom of my page. No, I can see my <laughs> anyway, sorry. No, and it's me. So So each side presented closing arguments and when Stidham reminded the jury uh the only thing worse than murder is the state killing an innocent man. Absolutely. Davis asked the jury to find Jesse guilty of capital murder of all three boys. The next day, the jury returned its verdict. Around noon, Jesse kept his head down and Judge Burnett read it. He was found guilty of murder in the second degree of the deaths of Christopher mm-hmm. Byers and Stevie Branch and guilty of murder in the first degree in the death of Michael Moore. And these verdicts meant that the death penalty was off the table. I Googled and looked this up. Um, yeah. Second degree means that there was no intent to kill or any premeditation before the incident. Yeah, it was just like it, it was the cause of the action, but it wasn't like planned. Yeah, exactly. What you said, I don't know why I went into that. <laughs> Your part just confused me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and then first degree means they plan to kill the person. Yeah. Capital yeah. means that mm-hmm. uh, it's first degree that can result in a death penalty. Gotcha. Um, so in sentencing, mm-hmm. Jesse received life in prison without parole for the murder of Michael Moore, plus an additional 20 years for each of the other two murders. Mm-hmm. Uh, one juror later said that allegations about Jesse's ties to the occult had not been a factor he said that they considered Stidham's argument that the confession was coerced, but they decided the part about chasing Michael Moore and holding him wasn't false because the police hadn't led him to say that part. 
My God. Mm. And then years later, Jesse would say that when that verdict came back, he just knew his life was over. Ugh. And that, that sets up the other two's. That's, yeah, that sets up, sets up the other two's trials. I mean, because they were like, what, a month apart? February and uh, January, February, March. So like a month. Yeah. April. Yeah. A month. February and March. Right. Is that one month? I don't know. What? Anyway. What are you on? Yeah. The convictions were like literally. Were, okay. So we started a in month apart. The convictions uh, June, don't have anything right? to do about when the trials start. No. What I'm saying is that that set up the precursor for the other two's convictions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it just, <laughs> it just, okay. I think we're all tired here. So. <laughs> Man. All, All right. right, dude. Well, Allie, thank you so much. We're through like, one of two trials, so no, we're getting no, there. Like, we're getting on, there. Honestly, rock and roll, thank man. Thank you for letting me finish no, it. No, no, <laughs> of course, of course, dude. Like, like, honestly, and we really appreciate you. Like, Yeah, man. I'm thanking you for uh, Larry and I and the, the listeners. So, <laughs> for yeah, sure. dude. Yeah, 100%. Like, honestly, it's, it, it, you, you put forth a hell of an effort to, to put this stuff together, man. And, like... You're doing a phenomenal job of, uh, of presenting Thanks, this. Man. Seriously. I, I hope everybody is interested. I, yeah. I know it's rough, it's, but like, it's so, well, it's it, it honestly, just lives in my head, you know? It, it is, it is, it's, well, listening to it, it's frustrating. Yeah. It's frustrating. Should it's I write frustrating as shit. <laughs> no, exactly. I, I'm surprised there's not more like, Fuck these guys! And I like, add just enough like, of those. I don't, yeah, have, to, I don't yeah, have to actually yeah, type that in there. It's like, dude, it's it, it is. They're well. I mean, they're weaponizing fucking the justice system, man. Yeah. Literally, yeah. it's like they're just making it work how they want it to work. Oh, yeah. So, but Larry, talking about the appeals, like they start appealing stuff. I mean, still in the year they got convicted, like they started appealing right yeah, away. They, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and tie a bow on it for uh, for all of us. Uh, thank you guys for joining us for Untethered 100, part three of the West Memphis 3. Did I just put an R in there I a little so. bit? Okay. It's okay. The West Memphis uh, <laughs> 3. Uh, dude, thank you guys so much. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed this. And I say enjoy. I'm just saying that yeah. like, I hope that you uh, found this informative. How hope about you're, that? Hope you're staying interested. It's, yeah. uh, we're getting there. We're on the, we're on the downslope. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and if you, if you like it, uh, if you hate it, if you, whatever, uh, should sh- I do more of these deep dives in the future? Yeah. And if I do, they will probably only be like two episodes and not this many. <laughs> yeah. Cause, <laughs> cause believe it or not, Allie has a life nah, outside. Fuck of, that. We're not, digging not into much. the Illuminati. <laughs> Allie, the whole fucking yeah. thing. Well, Allie has a life outside of the, the podcast. So, I mean, like, honestly, I'm sure she'd like to do other things other than prep for this. So. I would basically be doing this anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let us know what you thought. Tether radio at gmail.com. That's T. E-T-H-E-R-R-A-D-I-O at gmail.com. All right. So. Nice thank recovery. You. Very good. Very That's good. Awesome. All right. Thank you. <laughs> um, anywho, we hope you guys uh, found this informative and somewhat uh, entertaining. Ooh, I say that with a grimace on my face. In the terrible true crime sense. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, we also hope you guys have a great rest of your week and a fantastic weekend. Be sure to check out the full episode on Monday. And until then, take it easy, friendos. Bye. Bye.